You're listening to the Boise Community Church Podcast. We desire to be a people who are following Jesus authentically and missionally. For more information, please visit boisecommunitychurch.org. Good morning, everyone. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. That's where we're going to be this morning. We're taking a break from our study in the book of Mark. Mothers did not get a Mother's Day sermon, but the dads will get a Father's Day sermon. So, you dads, count yourself blessed. <laughs> Just kidding. Before we jump in, let's, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come. That you would speak and that you would move in the hearts and lives of your people. I pray that we would not be in a rush or distracted, but I pray that we would simply be ready to receive from you. Lord, as we read the New Testament and we see the things that you did in the early church, the way that your spirit moved with power Lord, we long for those things in our day. And Lord, I, I do believe that you want to speak to each individual in this room. And so may we not enter into this time strictly looking to check the box that we were at church or to... gain some knowledge or insight but may we leave this room feeling like you have spoken a word to each of our hearts this is your service this is your church these are your people and so may you speak through me Lord and may you guide my words Jesus' name. Amen. Well, happy Father's Day to you fathers out there this morning. Father's Day is a day that brings forth all sorts of feelings and emotions for so many. For some, it is a day of gratitude that is marked as it is this natural thing in our calendar that every Father's Day in June, we think back on the fathers that we had, remembering the dads that we had in our lives, the ones that showed up for our sports events, our concerts, our plays, the ones who played with their kids and read books and spent time with them, the dads who were generally interested and genuinely interested 
in the things their kids were interested in. The dads that showed up for all the life's big events and life's small events. For the breakups, for the failures, for the, the, the bad grades. Learning how to do laundry, learning how to mow the lawn, all the different things that dads teach. How to change your oil. Hopefully all of you know how to do that. <laughs> and for many, I actually believe that today is that. It is a day where they can, people can look back and their hearts are stirred to this place of gratitude for the fathers that they have. But yet also for others, it can be a reminder for what they didn't have. If they had a father who was absent, whether that was physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Or worse, it could be a reminder that the presence of your dad in your life actually was more harmful than good, bringing wounds and abuse. And for me today, it, it's exactly that. It's both. It today carries so many different feelings. It's gratitude for my immediate family, Kylie and Emma and Daisy and Alice and little Pete Nan, as they're loving and supportive and encouraging and they fill my house with so much laughter and so much you know, joy. And I genuinely can't imagine my life without any one of them. And when I think about them, the thing that fills my heart really is joy and honor. I feel honored that I get to, my, my kids call me dad by my four. And so I carry this tremendous joy and gratitude and thankfulness in that moment. But I also think about my own lack of a father that I had in my own growing up. And so this morning I want to talk from two perspectives and two things that I really want us to, to, to lean into this morning. And to be clear, this is a Father's Day sermon, but I absolutely believe that anyone can take these, these principles and these things and allow them to shape their lives. And so this morning I want to show you what our greatest strength is, so that's point one, and I also want to remind us of the Father that we all have, regardless of who our earthly Father has been. And so let's dive into the text this morning, Matthew ch chapter 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Verse 45, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? And here's the, here's the father 
Father's Day sermon line. This is what drew me to this text. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So we're aiming at a high bar, guys. (laughs) So Jesus opens up quoting what was a common statement in the day. He says, well, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And you see, if Jesus, in Jesus' day, if you grew up in that time period, being a good Jewish follower, you'd be going to your local synagogue each Saturday, and you know they'd be reading from the Torah, so they're reading from the Old Testament. And many times, the messages all surround this idea of war and violence and victory and, and righteousness. But there's a lot of violence in the Old Testament. I don't think anybody can argue that point. It's, it's very, very violent. It's very intense. All of you are like, I'm going to go check that out. It sounds like a good book. Yeah, like it's, it's got some wild stuff in it. So, and usually the message would end with this idea of, and it would conclude with the idea of, be good because that's what God wants. God wants good people. God wants clean people. God wants the righteous people. But Jesus actually changes it up. He shows us, what our greatest strength actually is, and what God the Father's greatest strength actually is. And so Jesus said it, you heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That's not something that we ever say today. Because we need to defeat our enemy with strength, with power, with influence. You need to be stronger than whatever is against you. But whenever you hear Jesus say the words, you heard it said, what Jesus is essentially saying is, hey, this is the old way of thinking. This isn't the way that we actually act anymore. This isn't what we're trying to go after. He's like, this is the old example that was set. And I was thinking about this idea of fatherhood while I was on one of my runs the past few weeks. Somebody asked me recently, they were like, why do you always talk about running? Like, you always talk about, running is like this time where my brain is just in like hyperdrive focus. So a lot of my sermon illustrations and thoughts come while I'm running. If you see me out on the green belt, a lot of times I'll be jogging very slowly because I'm a very slow runner, but I'll have my phone and I'm typing things into my notes that I will go into my sermon later because for whatever reason, it's, it's what happens. So I'm out and I'm running. I'm enjoying the beauty of the green belt. And this, this, thing pops up into my mind while I'm thinking about Father's Day. And I ask myself this question, what kind of fathers do our children need us to be? What is the greatest thing that we can be as fathers? What do our families really need from us? And that's what led me to this text. Our families need us to be fathers of love. And this brought me to this idea of what can be our greatest strength, strengths as a, as a dad. Because it isn't our physical strength. It isn't our logic or our wisdom. It isn't the uncanny ability to tease our children too much. If any of you are like me, I tease my children way more than I should. It isn't our knowledge, it isn't our money, it isn't our success, it's our love. This is what has to guide our hearts as dads. And really it's all of us. 
but especially you dads. Because I think the world and life and culture and just being an American, we have these concepts that we think are the most important things for us to be as dads. We need to be strong and we need to be brash and we need to be have this intensity. When really I would actually argue I think it's the opposite. The love that Jesus is telling us to have is a love that extends way beyond our family. And this morning, when I, or, you know, when I was preparing for this message, I felt stirred and challenged by this text as well. Because I really wanted to encourage you, hey, be the best dad. But I, it's really like, hey, be the best man. Be the best woman that you can be. Because the love that Jesus is telling us is to love beyond our family, beyond those that we like, those that we agree with, but to love and show up for those that are different. Those that are our enemies. To love those that are hurtful. And those that are actively against you. As most of you know, I have three daughters and one son. Um, I had like fully accepted that my role in life was to become the girl dad and just was like, this is just, this is my luck. You know, I'm going to have all girls. Then Pete Man came. Um, but when I was, ra- you know, I'm still raising my daughters, but many times people would come up to me and they would say, you know, you all, you've got three daughters, you better get your shotgun ready. And, you know, they'd say all these silly things. And, and I... You know, you better get ready for when they start wanting to date and all this stuff. And I usually, and I think I still do it to this day. I think I always still say the same thing. I always laugh and I go, I don't need a shotgun. <laughs> Not because I think I'm going to be intimidating or show some, some superior amount of strength or make the guy feel like an idiot or any of these things. Because I really don't want that. I don't really want to be that kind of a man. But I want to say something here because it... It's a joke that we say, and if you have said this to me and you do say this to me, I don't, it's fine. I'm not, the joke's a joke, but what I want to make sure of is that there's no truth behind that joke. Because if what I'm putting my weight in for my kids, for their purity and for them to live the life that I really dream for them and hope for them and want for them, I think I'm going to end up very sad one day. Because I don't believe the greatest protection for my kids is to intimidate boys to leave my, my home. If anything, I think I will be pushing my children towards those young men that I really don't want around my daughters. I believe the greatest protection for my kids is my love for them. And will it be perfect? No. Does it guarantee that my kids won't stray or make mistakes? Absolutely not. But what it does mean if I'm able to live into this idea of love and relationship with them, it means that I will get the opportunity to have a relationship with them when they have their greatest achievements, when they're graduating high school, graduating college, when they're having their children, when they're getting married. You know, hopefully it's not all in that order. But, um, you know, when they're doing these things, They'll invite me in. But also those moments where they have their what feel like their greatest failures. 
when they don't get into the job that they want, when they don't get into the school they want, when the one that they fall in love with and they've put all their eggs in this basket and that person just comes back and is like, you know, I'm just going a different route. I want my daughters and my son to feel safe to come and to weep in my shoulder. And I want to be the kind of man that weeps with them. Because I believe that's who Jesus is. If we look at how Jesus responded with Martha and Mary when Lazarus dies, he weeps. He feels. He's present. Nobody's more man than Jesus. Nobody is a better example than Jesus. And so dads, I want to encourage you, know that this morning. If you don't take anything else away from today's message, know that love is your greatest strength and greatest gift you can give to not only your wife, but to your children and to your community. And I believe that it's important for your love to be past your family because it does exemplify that that's really what's going on deep inside of your soul, that you are willing to reach out to those that are outside of your bounds. That you are genuinely a person of love and not just of personal enrichment. And so I want to ask you this morning, what drew you to Jesus? What made you want to be transformed? What made you want to be different? Was it his strength? Was it because he was intimidating? Or was it because of his love and his kindness? Romans chapter 2 talks about how it's God's kindness is actually what is meant to lead us to repentance. A turning towards him, not out of mere obedience or practicality, but it's the fact that he is kind and that he is loving. It was that. It's his love and his kindness that draws us to Jesus. To have a thriving relationship with God is to be able to be close to God. I was walking the green belt with one of my daughter's friends recently. Not one of my daughter's friends. One of my daughter's friend's dads recently. Uh, yeah, I'm just walking the green belt with like a nine-year-old, you know. <laughs> um, sounds super weird. <laughs> but we were talking and he said, oh man, like you invited us to Easter and I'm super thankful. And, and he just was talking about this idea of feeling scared of God from his upbringing. And I remember I was like, oh man, like I want to hear your story. And he just started sharing and talking about his environment and the way that he came to faith and, and what that's looked like for him. And fear is a terrible motivator. It doesn't bring life and joy and, and fruit. It actually just brings fear and trust issues. You're not likely to go to a God if you're scared of him. You're not likely to go to him and be like, God, I've messed up. I've been looking at things I shouldn't be looking at. I've been saying things I shouldn't be saying. I've been doing things I really shouldn't be doing. My heart's out of control, God. Can you help me? If we think God's response is to backhand us across the face, why would we ever come to him? And so it's his love and his kindness that leads us towards him. Because Jesus in the text, he talks about how in our love for our enemies, our praying for those that persecute us and challenge us and hurt us, 
it is then that we are actually living into the true, our true identity as children of God. He ends the passage with, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Which that, that verse alone always just kind of floors me. Because I'm like, man, that's terrible. That's way too high of a bar. But our strength is actually in love. It's being like Jesus, the picture of love, extending love and forgiveness and grace to all. We think about Jesus. His love was a great cost to himself. He was selfless in his pursuit of love, loving others. So maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, that's great, those are cool. I like practical. Can I get a little bit more practical? Yes, you can. Uh, so how do we do it? How do we love our family as well? Well, I believe our love will drive us to do two things. I believe our love will drive us to be present because we need that. Our families need that. We need to be present, not just physically, but and not just emotionally, and not just affectionately, but also spiritually. And so by being present, we need to see and know our children, whether they are a brand new baby, which we have quite a few of now, or our children are 35 and they're raising kids of their own and they're just trying to survive. And so we need to know them in a personal way, having a meaningful relationship with them hearing them and seeing them. And then also, in that seeing of them, this is the greatest advice I can give you as a parent. Just acknowledge what you see in your kids. Their beauty, their giftings, their talents. And I would be very confident that there are some of us in this room that would long to hear our parents as fully grown adults. Maybe you're 30, maybe you're 40, maybe you're 50, maybe you're 60. You would love to have your parents come to you and tell you how much they love you. To tell you what you're doing really well in life to acknowledge the giftings they see in you. For your parents to say, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the man you are. I'm proud of the, the mother you are, or the, the woman you are. If we are present we have the ability to love well. If we aren't present, we will never love well. The next thing that our love will drive us to do is it will drive you to pray. And notice the order I put this in. I put be present first because it's hard to pray for something that you're not really in tune with. And this is where our children and our family really need men that are faithful in prayer. If you are faithful in prayer, I can almost guarantee you'll start praying for your, your enemies and those that hurt you because they'll affect you on a personal and deep emotional level. 
And I, what I want to say here is the prayers that we pray, they need to be deeper. They need to be more full. I'm just as guilty as anyone that my prayer life can simply be me praying for my kids at night and saying, Lord, help them to sleep well and not get up. And in the back of your mind, you're like, because if you get up, I'm going to lose my mind. So just go to sleep, please. God, this is a prayer for them, but it's more a prayer for me. So please let them sleep. Or praying for them to do well in their sports or go to a good college. But Jesus is challenging us as his followers to pray for those that we hate and to persecute us. And so it's hard to just simply be like, Lord, I just really hate this person, but please uh, just bless them. You know, God wants us to actually intervene for them. And uh, before we even can step into that idea of praying for our enemies, I want to ask you, do you pray for those that you love? So dads, like the message here this morning is be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That's where Jesus kind of lands the plane. Man, do we pray for those that we love? And maybe our response is, well, I just, I don't know how to pray. That's okay. But I also know a lot of you men in this room can do a lot of amazing things. When I actually think about the men in this room, I think most of you are, or actually I think all of you are much more talented than, than I am. Because things break in my house, and I immediately am like calling my father. I'm like, hey, can you fix this? Like, I don't know what to do. But I've watched so many of you step in and f find solutions. And that's a gentle way of saying, man, if you don't know how to pray, it's time to figure it out. Because that, that gift of love is partly in you praying for your kids. Praying and being men that have a passionate prayer in the way that, that you long for your children. And so I'd ask you dads, what are the prayers that you have for your children? What are the longings and the dreams you have for your kids? What's your greatest desire for them to be when they are fully grown? And, I'll, and I, full transparency here, I, I'm not always nailing it on this. I'm happy if I get like two really good prayers over my children, one of my, each one of my children throughout the week. And I try to purposely pray it over them so they can hear my words over them. Do you have a desire to see them have a deep and passionate faith to be people that are pillars in the Christian faith and deep and devoted followers of Jesus? Do you pray for hearts that are just outward and, and loving and full, and full of service and grace and beauty? And so know this morning, dads, your strength is not an exterior force. It's not just a wisdom that you can impart or a knowledge that can be shared but it is by becoming like the heavenly father a people of love be perfect as he is perfect loving and patient and kind and compassionate and forgiving extending grace where it is absolutely not deserved and I want to also come this morning and remind us of the heavenly father we have this morning 
because maybe your story is similar to mine. You have a father that was absent, or he was abusive, or and he was far from perfect. And so this morning, I want to actually look at this idea of the heavenly father that we actually have. Because you have a heavenly father, whether you realize it or not, whether you acknowledge him or not, whether you want him or not, he is your heavenly father. And that heavenly father does not hold back anything from you this morning. The scripture that we all know and we've all heard a million times, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God was willing to sacrifice his own son that our sins can be forgiven. And it, but that's not it. That's just not where it ends. If he's willing to give us his son, he's willing to give us anything. And there are many people that I love. And there are people in this room that I deeply, deeply love. And that I've been in relationship with for years. But I would never be able to willingly allow my children to take a punishment for someone else. Especially if it was going to hurt them physically. I'm never going to go and be like, hey, you know, so-and-so did this thing and they're being thrown in jail for a month. And be like, well, they're kind of unimportant and their family's in a hard spot. Hey, Pete, I'm going to need you to take this one, man. Like, you're going to jail. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Be like, sorry, man. You did the crime, you do the time. <laughs> but the Father does, because of his love for all of us, which goes, it's, it shows where our love is not fully developed, and it doesn't hit this point. And I also don't know, I don't think God actually intends for us to love the exact same way he does. The level of selflessness that he has. The love that he has for all of us goes so much deeper than just forgiveness because its intent was to make us children of God. Not to just say, hey, you're forgiven, now go and live a better life and here's some teachings and here's a book and go and be good. But instead it was Jesus saying, hey, I'm going to go to the cross to adopt you into the family of God so that you are no longer on the outside, but that you are brought inside so that you are a fully welcomed being into our family. Alice and Peter, man, I look at them and there are two of my youngest children. We have adopted them into our family. They carry my name. They're, they will be in the will. They're, they're fully into the family. They may not have been born out of my wife physically, but man, they are born in our hearts. When I became a father, I remember the scriptures opened up in this totally new way where I felt like I understood the love of God in such a more tangible way because it was like, man... And then I adopted my, my last two. And man, the scriptures have just continued to un, unfold in such beautiful ways. Because I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, 
And I know some people do. They look at my children and they go, well, these are Mike and Kylie's and these are like somebody else's kids that they just kind of brought in. That's not how I view them at all. They're all my kids. Honestly, sometimes I like the, the bottom two the most. <laughs> but that's the thing. For those of us that come from homes where the dad wasn't good and he was far from perfect and he was abusive and he was hurtful, and he was uninvolved or he was just emotionally absent, we are invited into a deep and meaningful relationship with God himself where God the Father is saying, you don't have to be on the outside. You can come inside. I'm not asking you to just be a, a servant or my friend or a fan, but come and be invited. Come, you're invited to be a part of this family, to be adopted in and welcomed as my child. And this is why Jesus can say the things where he's saying, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That was us. It was your sin and my sin that brought Jesus to the cross because without the cleansing of sin, we are stuck trying to prove ourselves to God, trying to be the good enough man that we are worthy of God's love, that we are worthy of our spouse's love, that we are worthy of our children's love. But here's the thing. You're worthy of love because Jesus has died for you. God himself has not withheld his own son. And so he tells us, hey, be perfect the way the Father is perfect. Because that perfection is in love. And the way that he loved... It brings us into this relationship and depth along with the forgiveness. And so maybe you, your dad didn't fight for you. He didn't want you. He didn't see, didn't see you or value you. But here's the thing I can promise you this morning, church. The Heavenly Father does. And so even if you have missed the mark, He sees you and He loves you. And I want to end this morning... And I want you to see the Heavenly Father's heart for you. So I'm going to read the story of the prodigal son. Because this is God's heart for you. This is the Heavenly Father that is available to you. And so the words are going to be up on the screen. And this is from you know, the Gospel of Luke. It says, starting in verse 11, it says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. So there was a younger and the, the older, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property up between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and he set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he's in poverty, he's struggling because he's wasted all this money. So he went and hired himself out to be a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you I am no longer worthy to be called your son 
but man, will you just make me like one of your hired servants? Will you just bring me back in? So he got up and he went to the father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. They're probably rainbows because those are the best sandals. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, and so he called out, sorry, he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Verse 27, your brother has come home, come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has come back to him safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. And never disobeyed your orders. Yet you've never given me a, a young goat or, so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes and come home, you killed the fatted calf for him. That's the older brother's way of saying, this is your favorite son. This is the son you really want. Even though I'm the good son. And the father looks at the son and he says to him, my son... You are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be, get, be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is, a, is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. The Heavenly Father this morning, he doesn't just love you saying, come to me when you're ready. But when he sees you coming towards him... It, trying to figure out what to say because you're like, God, I know I don't pray enough. God, I know I don't love enough. God, I know I'm brash and I'm intense and I'm unforgiving and I have these issues. I have this sin that I'm wrestling with. God does not sit back on a golden throne and, and wait saying, I, this better be good. You better have a good reason for the way that you live. No, he runs to you. He embraces you because He has compassion on you, because He loves you, and He celebrates with everyone on your return and welcomes you back into the family as if you never left. And so church, as I close, this is the Father that's available this morning to you. And the question is, will we be like the younger brother coming to the Father regardless of our choices, our mistakes, and our failures, being fully transparent and vulnerable in our mistakes, and coming to Him with this simplicity, receiving His forgiveness, receiving His grace, and most importantly, receiving His love, or will you continue to be like the older brother, trying to stand on your own good works, stand on your own knowledge, being cut off and being unable to experience the freedom that he brings? We hope you enjoyed today's teaching from Boise Community Church. 
To find more resources and information about Boise Community Church or to give to the mission of Boise Community Church, please visit us online at boisecommunitychurch.org. If you were encouraged by today's podcast, please rate and review it so more people can discover the hope and joy of Jesus' love.